This episode of Round Guy Radio is brought to you by Girling Repair of Winfield, Iowa. If your mower is dead, call Fred, your Husqvarna and Aaron's dealer. And Wayland State Bank, over 90 years of being community-minded just like you. Located in Wayland, Winfield, and Mount Pleasant. Welcome back to Round Guy Radio. We got an episode of Iowa Heartlanders Weekly. They got a bunch of home games coming up finally. Uh, after a whole season of being on the road, it seems like. We got the voice of the Iowa Heartlanders, David Fine. Welcome to the program, David. How are you doing? It's good to uh, have a couple weeks in Iowa and uh, be at home for the next few weeks. Yeah, you've been uh, traveling and uh, uh, house... Uh, but what are we looking at this week? And we got three three games this weekend and three games next weekend, if, if I'm correct. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a rarity. Normally, you don't have more than three or four in a row at home, it feels like. It feels like every other week you're going on the road, then you're home, then you're on the road. But finally, Iowa, who's basically been on the road for more, like in terms of road days, almost a month and a half of just being on the road this entire year. And the season's only been three months long, so basically, you know, sixty days, uh, sixty days on their home sheet now coming up, where they're going to be home a lot. But it's three games this week on Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday against the Toledo Walleye, who uh, are the defending Western Conference champions, a good club uh, that's trying to kind of find their way this year a little bit. They've been playing better, and then next week, three games against uh, rival Fort Wayne. So. If you talk about the importance, Dave, like the coaches have pinned these next two weeks as, you know, I want I don't want to say must wins, but you better you better start, you know, getting up in the standings because Iowa needs to. And the good thing is that we have a lot of good promotions and um, we expect there to be a good number of fans over at Extreme Arena the next two weekends. So we're excited for it. Well, we got some big promotions this weekend. Uh, why don't you let our listeners know? Uh, uh... Uh, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, what's what's going on with it? And uh, um, or is there a game Saturday? Yeah, yeah there is. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. just tell us. We, we got the we got the uh, the Toledo Walleye coming in. Looks like Faith and Family Night starts this. Uh, well, that's Saturday night. Is there anything Friday yeah. night at all? Yeah, Friday night's just a rose jersey Friday. So it's um, the Heartlanders are going to be wearing their rose alternate jerseys. And the game's presented by Mercy, Iowa City uh, at 7.05 against Toledo. Saturday and Sunday are the big promotional games. On Saturday, it's Faith and Family Night. So for those that don't know what that is, it's it's pretty special night. Um, they have a pre uh, The Heartlanders have a pregame event with Athletes in Action, which are a number of athletes from around eastern Iowa and a couple of the Hawkeyes athletes. Um, discussing like the impact that faith has had on their lives, which is cool. And I was, I kind of helped MC it last year and, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear them talk about it. And, you know, you think about, um, you know, the importance of, of faith in so many of our lives and hearing what they, you know, high end athletes, how they use it. Um, and, you know, just the importance that it plays and how they live their lives as people of faith is is pretty unique to hear because it's it can be lost on us at times um in society nowadays so saturday at 705 is faith and family night there's going to be a lot of different things going on in the arena related to to you know not only faith but the importance of family and um, those kind of things but then the pregame event which starts um a little bit early 5 30 is when doors open for the athletes in action pregame talk 
And I would suggest anyone that's interested or wants to try to meet some of their favorite Hawkeye athletes and other athletes from around Eastern Iowa should come out to that. And again, that's uh, presented by Pizza Ranch on uh, this upcoming Saturday, a couple days from now on the 21st. Then on Sunday, I'm actually really excited for this one too. This is like, this is a great day for kids. It's Dash's birthday party. So there's going to be local mascots from around the area, including Herky and a few others. Um, but local mascots will be out here on the 22nd, 205 puck drop. And it's also Dash's birthday. That's why we have the mascots here. So the mascots and the fans are helping to celebrate Dash's birthday, second birthday of our mascot Dash. We have a nice like birthday. We're calling it like the birthday bash with Dash um, with the local mascots. So a great day for kids, even for adults to come, you know, hang out, take some pictures with some mascots. And then the other thing too, in addition to giving away those noisemakers, the Fanbango giveaway is what we call it uh, with Steinler is it's also Star Wars night. So it's kind of like a Star Wars themed birthday party for Dash. And I'm, and I was a big Star Wars fan when I was growing up. And what I can tell you, even though I'm not as into it now, being a little bit older, is that um, I was talking with our game operations guy, Jarrett, and he and I were, he and I were discussing some like random off the wall ideas. And he has some great videos and like fun things that we're doing in the arena that kind of mix the birthday party with, um, with Star Wars. So and there's going to be star a local Star Wars like fan group out here all dressed up as well. So if you want to come and your kids can you know meet some uh, meet some stormtroopers and Darth Vader and uh, you know the fan bango giveaway, the noisemaker giveaway, and then local mascots to help celebrate Dash's birthday party. So that's Sunday at two o five, and that's what's going on. There's a lot going on, Dave, and uh, heck, I'd rather there be a lot going on than a little going on. So. We're excited for that. All, all the three games are against Toledo this weekend, too, who the Heartlanders played really well in the second half of last season. So I think we'll see more, hopefully, the same against the Walleye this year. Close competitive games. Well, uh, faith and family are the two most important things in my life, and it looks like uh, uh, Sunday's also going to be about as good a family night as you could possibly have. And I think uh, I think people will come for that. Uh, Herky's going to be there. That's pretty cool. Uh, there's yep. a lot of really cool high school uh, mascots, and they make a big difference in in uh, how much fun the game is. Uh, uh, this is terrific. Well, what what about on the ice? What are we looking at on the ice? What what uh, what are is this? What kind of a uh, uh, matchup is the Toledo? What kind of challenges are the Toledo Walleyes going to present? And uh, who are you looking for to to click and uh, get us some wins? Yeah, there's a couple different aspects to uh, to kind of attack this from. So Toledo started off really slow from their standards this year. They had only won, they were 7 and 10, and I think they were at 1.5 and 8. <clears throat> so basically three games below 500, which for them, they're the defending Western Conference champions. and They made the playoffs six straight years. So that was unexpected for them, Dave. And their fa- I mean, you could just go on their, their equivalent of their Facebook group and it was like the world was falling, you know, what what the heck's going on here was kind of the, the tone um, from the Toledo fans. And I think it's a really, really good point that their head coach, Dan Watson, who's been there over the last six years, as well as not only that, but I was listening to a couple interviews with him and then their broadcaster, Matt Melzack, who does a great job for Toledo. And, you know, they got off to this slow start and they were talking about not, they weren't, framing this as a positive that they you know were off to a little bit of a slow start but that hey these are the expectations that we've built here in Toledo and uh, you know expectations of excellence 
and winning because not only were they the Western Conference champions last year, but they're frequently near 50 wins and 100 points on the year. So they're, I mean, they're traditionally excellent and they're, you know, constantly battling for the Kelly Cup every year. And the reason why I bring that up is that they've started to turn the corner now and they have a, they have a very veteran, big, skilled, but not necessarily like the most fast on paper. They have a few burners, but they're, they're, an, they're an older, smarter team that has a lot of guys that can score. And their offense was struggling in the, in the first 20 games. But over the last 10 to 15 games, they're scoring about four goals a game or more. And when you look at it from the Hartlanders' side, Iowa's offense has kind of gone the opposite way. At the start of the year, was doing a lot better. Um, and now it's been the 3-2 and 2-1 kind of final scores, 4-3 at the high end of it. Iowa's still playing so many one-goal games. And the uh, the thing that Derek Damon, the Hartlanders head coach, and I, we talked about it yesterday, not on the air or anything, just kind of, you know, just kind of talking and catching up on stuff midweek before the series. And he said, hey, you know, one thing about our guys is that our guys bring it every night that, you know, we might not have the, the highest, the, the most uh, veteran guys or the highest paid players or, you know, things of that nature, but that this team just is very resilient and always finds a way to make it an entertaining game. And that's the thing, Dave, is that like, even though Iowa's in, you know, in seventh right now in the central and they need to climb above two or three, well, three opponents in order to make the um, three division opponents to make the playoffs that these games have been so close that it's almost like it becomes like a little bit heartbreaking when you see like a one goal loss in overtime, um, just because you know that they're right there. And it's just like they have their finger over the button and they, they kind of push down on it, but then they get the push back. And so what Iowa is really going to need to do this weekend is one, they have to continue playing good defense, which they've done at home. And they've won seven games at home this year, which is more than half of their home games. So if they can find a way to stay in it into the third period against Toledo, I'll feel really confident just because they've done it at home. The road has been the has been the issue for the team. But the good news is more often than not, the home fans have gone home happy, which is what's really important. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend. This is a great measuring stick, I think, for both teams. And I think it's going to be hopefully three really make it easy on me if it's three competitive, you know, one goal games from the broadcaster side to uh, to call some fun ones. So that's what I'm looking forward to this weekend. Well, last year we had a lot of really exciting uh, uh, matchups with the the Toledo Walleye. I believe they were the first place team, but we were able to stick it to them uh, uh, more than a, a couple times last year. Uh, um, so. Uh, do you, uh, you think we're going to have this kind of revived rivalry this weekend? Well, the games against Toledo last year were very skilled. There were some fights in there. It's like it's not like the games against Fort Wayne and against um, um, Kansas City last year, I'm talking specifically, where it was like every game was like you knew you were going to see hockey, but a fight was also going to – a couple fights were going to break out. Last year against Toledo, they were intense games, and I think what Iowa found was that they could wear on the walleye as the season series went along, like throughout the course of the game, they could, you know, by playing a, you know, a heavy four checking, finish your body check, work hard in the corners, grind it out style that it could wear down some of the, some of the players on Toledo. And so Iowa was 0 and 5 in the season series. And it looked like 
I mean, honestly, Dave, after the Heartlanders lost their fifth game in a row against Toledo last year, and this was in November of last year, this is not October, this is not December, no, January. It was in November when, and then in December, the first week of December, Iowa lost their fifth straight game to Toledo. They were shut out 4 nothing on December 8th. And then that next day, the Heartlanders signed a player by the name of Zach White, who helped change the, the course of the inaugural season for a lot of reasons um, and, you know, his style of play. But the point that I'm trying to make to you is that there were a number of things in the middle portion of last season that helped the Heartlanders. And one of them was they beat Toledo on back-to-back nights at home on December 10th and December 11th. And I still really believe that was the turning point of the inaugural season. The guys point out a number of different things, but that was the moment where the guys started playing a lot, lot better was against Toledo. Um, you know, and then they, they carried that forward against all other teams. So I think that from Iowa's side, this serves as a great potential hopeful flex point where if you can find a way and find your grind style against Toledo again, like they did last year where they won three of the final four games of the season series, all of which were one goal victories, and they all were come from behind victories, if I'm remembering correctly, um, then they, then they, you know, they carried that forward last year. And I, and I really hope that this is the moment because I think the coaches have worked so hard and the players have worked so hard this year um, to continue developing. And there's been a lot of injuries and there's been a lot of call-ups and there's been a lot of, it just, it happens in the course of the season. It's kind of just, it happens stuff. So you look forward to hopefully finding a breakthrough moment against one of the perennial powerhouses in the league. And the other thing too, Dave, is you mentioned last year correctly when you and I were just talking about this, that they were in first last year at this time. This year they're in third and they're in danger if they don't, you know, continue playing well of falling out of a playoff spot. So they're going to be really hungry. It's after the all-star break and you're going to have to just find a way to, to grind out a few wins this weekend. That's what the coaches want. They're, they're asking for the guys to lay it all on the line and find a way starting with Friday night to, 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 to grind out a win and be the more hungry team and which they have been in a lot of these games, but They've fallen a little bit short due to due to hockey luck and other things. So that's where we're at going into this weekend and how it relates a little bit to last year's story. Well, I think one thing we're not doing this year that we did very well last year is is scoring uh, goals when we got the when we got the advantage when we got a man advantage because of a penalty or something. It just doesn't seem like we put the biscuit in the basket like we did last year. Yeah, the power play last year. That's a really good point. Power play last year was a huge asset for the team. The third, they were third or fourth in the league in percentage, but I uh, uh, scoring more than twenty percent of the time. But the thing was, not only were they third or fourth in the league, but they were also second in the league in total goals. It's one thing to be good in the percentage, but if you don't get a lot of opportunities, then it doesn't really matter. But they were second in the league behind Newfoundland in power play goals. So essentially, you could almost market that they were scoring at least one or two power play goals every weekend series. And, you know, you score those goals on the power play. They're game changers. Most teams in the league score about as much at even strength as they allow. Even the Heartlanders this year, even though they've only won seven games, they're minus 20 in even strength goal differential, which is actually pretty good. Um, Meaning that, you know, they played almost 35 games this year. So most games, it's, you know, you're basically... In it, you know, both teams are scoring the same number of even strength goals in Hartlander's games this year. Minus 20 is a pretty negligible difference um, for, for most teams. And the point that I'm trying to make by saying that 
is that you know they they need to find a way on the power play to have a boost at the beginning of the year they did have a boost they were up in the top percentages of the league scoring 24 25 percent of the time and now over the last two months that's dipped down to about 18 percent 18 percent is good if you're looking it, it's okay 18 percent is okay but the problem is is that, that over the last few weeks the percentage has dropped a lot so that they've gone from you know 22 23 percent now that the percentage for the year has dropped down to a yearly average of 18 percent so you're right, Dave, like the power play last year is a big reason why they were able to win so many of these games. And they've been working on it. Trust me, they've been working on it. But they need to find a way to get out of just a little bit of a funk. Um, well, last, last year, I think Jake Smith. Uh, weekend, that might be a way to do it. I think Jake Smith led the league in uh, shorthanded goals. You know, he wasn't the greatest defensive player, but, uh, you know, uh, we just don't seem to have that guy this year that uh, sees that advantage and, and is really good at it. But uh, uh, another thing, another problem we may be having right now is uh, Cole Stollard is uh, uh, injured, isn't he? Or is... Yeah, he's been a little bit banged up. He had scored a ton of goals early in the year. It looked like he was going to be a 20 or 25 goal scorer back a month and a half ago. And he's battled a few bang ups as guys do, and was for those that missed it was placed on injured reserve. It's retroactive to it to the day he was hurt, which is almost two weeks ago. So I believe technically he could come off injured reserve starting either on this Sunday or next Monday. But what that means is that you know he will not he's not expected to play in the, in the Friday game to begin. Um, but yeah, losing him to injury hurts. He also was so hot offensively at the beginning of the year and. You know, he's kind of, I don't want to say struggled, but he's hes kind of found that maybe defenders have started, you know, cracking down on him a little bit more. Whereas last year, he was able to score 12 goals by being in that, you know, second or third line role for most of the year. So this year, he's been, you know, targeted, especially after a hot start. And I think that that kind of maybe just slowed him down a little bit. And then obviously, he got injured a few weeks ago, which is just, a, you know, an unfortunate thing. But I've seen him around the rink. He has his spirits high. He's working hard, and I hope he can get back in the next, you know, whether it's the next few days or the next few weeks. I think he'll be back and ready to go. Well, we've had a couple roster moves. I know Hunter Jones got called up and then uh, sent back. Uh, uh, and you signed a new player, too. Uh, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about the roster moves and some of the up and downs? Yeah, yeah. There hasn't been much. Hunter Jones was sent back to the Heartlanders a few, uh, a few days ago. Uh, or a week, about a week ago from the from the Iowa Wild, which, you know, Hunter goes back and forth. And then the other thing is that uh, the Heartlanders made a move yesterday. They claimed forward Joe Widmar off of waivers, and Joe drove here from Florida. He was playing for, for the Florida Everblades in Fort Myers. He got in his car, and he's here in Coralville to play this weekend. So basically he drove almost 20 hours, and he arrived yesterday um, during the during the early afternoon. So he played for the Heartlanders last year and was pretty good. Like he scored seven goals for the team and he actually had a career high in goals, 12 combined. He played for three different teams last year. And Joe's been a little bit of a, you know, he, he would admit like he's played a lot of places in his career and he's had trouble sticking in a place. But last year he was pretty good for the Heartlanders. I mean, for an, you know, he made the team on a tryout uh, contract out of training camp, played for the team in the inaugural season for the first half, a little bit more than a half of the first year. And then the Heartlanders made a move. To, they were they were pretty thin on defense. 
and they executed a three-way trade with Greenville by which the Heartlanders acquired defenseman Connor Russell from the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. And then Joe was subsequently in that three-way trade shipped to the Indy Fuel, played a few games for Indy, worked out a little bit, not enough, was sent to Norfolk, played for Norfolk end of last year, beginning of this year. Again, fit wasn't really right. Played a few games with the Florida Everblades. Again, the fit kind of just didn't stick as much maybe as he would have wanted. And so he's back in Iowa now. And I think this is a great opportunity because he's fast and he has some skill. And he's, you know, not only is he fast, like he skates well too, which there can be a little bit of a difference. It's one thing that you can just go in a straight line fast, but he is very good at picking his spots and using his speed. So I think from the Heartlanders side, they need some goal scoring. He scored 12 goals last year. And if he can come in and do something like that in the second half where he scores four, five, six goals in a half of a season, that can be a difference in a lot of wins. So I think that it's a great move for Iowa. And they have a chance with a thin forward group right now with still a lot of guys banged up. We just mentioned Cole Stallard. You need guys that can play. And not only that, but you need guys that can score. And so the Heartlanders were, you know, use their waiver claim on him. And I think that that's a great thing for Iowa because now they're at a position where they keep their forwards, you know, they have enough forwards to, to field the full lineup. And not only that, but you bring in a guy that's familiar with Derek Damon and knows exactly where his apartment's going to be. So <laughs> all these things can kind of help uh, make an adjustment a little bit smoother. Yeah, well, uh, uh, when I was talking to you at the beginning of the year, I remember we were talking about the Iowa Wild uh, preseason game with Rockford, and I was asking, you know, which one of these guys are we going to see? And you mentioned three or four we probably see, and another two, you know, maybe three three to five players that we could see at some point in the season, and it, that just never seemed to happen, did it? Yeah, it's been a little bit of an interesting season, and I think partially because – the Iowa Wild and the Minnesota Wild, um, they've been they've been hurt this year. And Minnesota, I think, just recently kind of returned to full strength. And, um, you know, that hurts because, you know, obviously that hurt the Iowa Wild, too. The Iowa Wild, a lot of the players that they thought were going to be full-time players in Iowa, maybe for most of the season, uh, spent a more significant time up in Minnesota. So, yeah, it is what it is, Dave. Like, you know, this is what the Heartlanders are for. They're, they're not... They're, they're not the ECHL is not the gift giving league. You know, the NHL gets the has to make sure that they have a full roster. Then the AHL has to make sure they have a full roster. And then the Heartlanders and the affiliation tree. So it has been, you know, the coaches would be like, yeah, you know, at the beginning of the year, we maybe thought that we were going to have this guy or this guy, but they're not using it as an excuse. And neither is, neither is anyone. It just is what it is um, that, you know, because of injuries and call ups, the Heartlanders maybe are a little bit thinner than they thought they would be, but. I think that that's been a great opportunity for the rest of the players to step in. And, you know, you see a guy like Tommy Caratino score two goals on Saturday in Kansas City. He's second on the team in goals. He might be the first guy with Cole Stollard banged up. Hopefully, maybe, you know, if he has another good weekend, he could hit 10 goals. Um, so I think it's a great, great opportunity for the young guys. And I, Dave, like at the end of the day, Iowa has, like the Heartlanders, have so many good young pieces that the coaches are really excited, not only for this year, but they know that going into next year, they're going to be able to protect the rights of a lot of these guys. And they'll be able, instead of like this past summer where they know they're maybe going to have four or five returners, they might, you know, hopefully, and I'm, I'm not talking too far forward here, but if, if there were 10 returners on this year's team going into next year, that would be really, really favorable. And then you just kind of have to plug and play a few things 
and make a few signings, and all of a sudden your roster is done. So we're not looking too far forward here, but at the end of the day, Iowa, with a really young roster, has been able to compete against the best teams in the league. They, they, they almost beat Newfoundland in three straight games. They competed against Trois-Rivières, who you know, has a lot of skilled players. They swept Cincinnati at home. They beat the Indy Fuel. They beat the Fort Wayne Comets. They played close against the Wheeling Nailers, who are right there, and they've beaten Kalamazoo a few times. So they're right there against these really, really good teams. And I think that's what, what excites the coaches so much, is that these guys are developing at a faster rate than maybe even they thought was possible. And now all you got to do is just go out there and hopefully in the second half of the season steal some wins, and you might be right back in playoff contention like last year. Last year at this time, Dave, it felt far-fetched. It felt maybe more far-fetched than it does this year. But because of the number of young, talented pieces on this team, I, I don't really think the coaches are worried too much about, oh, you know, hey, maybe we'll see this guy from the American League. Like, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. And it becomes, you're just, you're wishing for something that's, you know, kind of out of your control at the end of the day. So that's what, that's what's going on with that. Well, we've been very strong at home. What is it about the home cooking? I mean, I've I never seen a team that had no wins on the road, but a winning record at home. Uh, why has the home games uh, uh, sparked the, the team to play so much better? And uh, uh, what does it mean to the players to have the, the, the crowds cheering them on and uh, uh, lighten up the, the net? Yeah, I think it is the fans in part. Like, it, coaches from other teams in the Central Division acknowledge that Extreme Arena is really not an easy place to play because the fans are right on top of you, and it's a smaller, very intimate venue. And not only that, but, like, it's entertaining in there. The music gets going. The fans get going. It's a young crowd. Um, people love it. It's very, you know, not only young, but, like, young with kids and families, and the fans are right on top of you. And it's not an easy place to play. So that's part one. I think part two is that Iowa knows that when teams come to the Iowa River Landing, like, yeah, it's really convenient for the visiting teams. They're staying at Staybridge, and they have all those restaurants right there that they can, you know, sample from. But you know, you're, you're, you know, you're on the road. It's not, you're out of your normal routine. You have to figure out where you're going to get your coffee in the morning. And, you know, what am I going to have for breakfast? And there's a little bit more to it when you play on the road than just going and, you know, having the same exact experience. You're sleeping in a different bed. You get, you hope your bed's comfortable on the road, which Staper's is, by the way. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, but um, like it, playing on the road is just a different animal where you have to, you know, figure a few things more out. And not only that, but especially if you're a really skilled team, sometimes you just have to simplify things. And I think what Iowa found against the Indy Fuel in Cincinnati in some of these earlier road series is that, like, yeah, in Cincinnati and Indy have a couple of guys that could hit 30 goals scoring this year, but those guys maybe didn't simplify their game as much. Now, what I will say is that Toledo – has been really successful at playing on the road this year. Their struggles actually been on their home ice. They only have six wins this year, and they've lost 11 games. Whereas on the road, they've won 11 games, which is one of the best road records in the league. So Heartlanders are going to have a challenge against Toledo this week as well, because even though Iowa's been really good at home and taking advantage of teams that are out of their normal element after a lot of long travel, you reverse it, and Toledo's actually done really well playing in that kind of atmosphere. So I'm excited to help tell that story this weekend and see how that unfolds because Iowa's so successful at home versus Toledo so successful on the road, but they haven't played as well at home. So Toledo's in the exact reverse situation that the Heartlanders are in this season. Well, let's wrap this up by telling our listeners what, what time these games start. And, uh, uh, you know, you'll be on the call. Uh, they can watch on the 
the hockey or listening on the streaming. So, uh, uh, yeah, let our listeners know what's going on. Well, the call dropped for a minute, but uh, uh, the question was uh, what time the games start and how can we follow yeah. this game? Absolutely. So the games this weekend, again, are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Six-game homestands. You can come to games hopefully this weekend and next weekend. But against the Toledo Walleye, Friday at 7.05 p.m., Rose Jersey Friday. On Saturday, it's Faith and Family Night at 7.05 p.m. And then on Sunday, it's Dash's Birthday Party and Star Wars Night uh, presented by Steinler. And that'll be a special Sunday 205 puck drop. Heck, you can uh, make sure to come to Extreme Arena. You'll be home before this uh, the, the playoff games on Sunday. So looking forward to it, Dave. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I always love the Sunday games. It just works out great if you got kids. You can, you know, you can have a great, exciting afternoon uh, of entertainment and still get home for supper, you know. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. So, I love that, too, especially Sundays, Dave. Not only that, you mentioned it, but, like, you get home, and it's like for the front office, you know, you could go out for dinner and be home by 7 o'clock that night, and then you can have a good night's sleep. I love the 205 games. Certain teams don't start until 5 o'clock on Sundays, and I never understood it. Like, if it's me, I want to be right there at home by 7 o'clock latest. And a 2 o'clock game, the game's over by 4.30. You go out for dinner, you're home by 6. So, Love it. I love the 205 games. Yeah, that, that, it's uh, it, it works great for my family. And I know my grandson's bringing a, a friend, and, and they're kind of excited about the, the Dash's birthday. And I think it's uh, a kid-oriented night. And I, I really, uh, if you're going to see some uh, of these games at, and you got kids, that might be a great time to take them, you know. But it's always fun. Uh, 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 we win when we're at home. And uh, we've been doing it all year long. And I, I would expect we get a win or two. Uh, this weekend too, don't you think? I hope so. I hope so. It'll keep the boys happy and make sure the uh, the coaches are uh, the coaches still believe in these guys. The players still believe in each other too. And I think a few you know big wins at home, and all of a sudden you know those can be season changing wins. So I'm hoping that's the case this weekend. Well, uh, you you got the mic. Uh, any last rallying cry to to try to get some people <laughs> in the arena this weekend? No, I, 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 well, I, besides, yes, come to the arena. Uh, just looking forward to a, a few great games. The Heartlanders have played so many close competitive games. There's been hitting, there's been scoring, there's been fighting. So I think it's, you know, they've played complete games this year, and it's just time to uh, time to get the win in front of the home faithful. Is there any uh, games on TV this weekend or next? No, not this weekend. Not the, no, no Mediacom games this weekend, uh, but they're all on Flow Hockey and then the audio link nixler.com slash go heartlanders so of course you can watch and listen to me but hope to see you at extreme arena all right well thanks for being with us thank you this episode of round guy radio has been brought to you by girling repair of winfield iowa if your mower is dead call fred your husqvarna and aaron's dealer and wayland state bank over 90 years of being community-minded just like you, located in Wayland, Winfield, and Mount Pleasant.